welcome to The Curiosity Project. In today's episode on Conversations With, I'm talking to my friend, Douglas Weber, the founder of Weber Workshops, a coffee equipment company. We will be discussing the necessity of cooking at home and the value of the tools you use. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Good evening. How are things? Evening. How are you doing? Hey, it's a... Uh... Late at night here, but things are winding <laughs> down, and it's all good. Can Fantastic. you hear me? Okay, I, I, I can hear you perfectly. My, I didn't bring my. Okay, well, thank God the iPad figured out the microphone. Okay. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, it seems as though they're holding the fort, even though you're not there to kind of uh, help steer the ship, huh? <laughs> you know, I was hoping I was hoping it was just going to like fall fall apart as soon. As yeah, left, exactly. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like wishes. without me no. there, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> no but it's uh it's the you know i like you can think of it that way you can think of it like okay we built this machine that is just like nice and well oiled and will continue to work long after our own departure which is actually what steve did yep like in, it's just it shows yeah so, it really does it really does and uh yeah. it's like i think it's one of the rare situations where um the character of someone is so deeply ingrained in a company that it doesn't matter whether they're there or not it's kind of just going to follow through yeah yeah yeah. it totally is it's, it's extraordinary yeah it, it really is a very so, very cool thing to uh to be part of for uh i, for such a time, I so. agree i agree uh it's it's quite funny because have you had a chance to read the comments on the blog post no i haven't actually okay do you want to do you want to check them out actually because I think sure, I think I'll, it's gonna. I, a, I think you're gonna enjoy it. I, I could or I could not. I, mean, you, I could show you. I was actually just about to go and like look at some. Uh, it's for the first time ever because I'm about to launch a, a crowdfunding campaign and did some. Um, for the, the first time I've ever done like sort of paid targeted advertising on Facebook, and right. it's basically through a, an agency that I'm using to help um, set up and do all this stuff and. It means that like people who have messed up before sort of get cold, well, not cold called, but like mm. it shows up in their Facebook feed or something, something I'm actually not very familiar with. But my God, the comments on that are just incredible. It's like, it's the wow. ultimate like reverse cyberbullying you could possibly imagine. People are just like, you guys must be out of your fucking mind. Who's going to pay $1,500 for a coffee grinder? You're are you, stupid? you know what it's actually ridiculous and then what you have to do is you have to spend all your time going through it and removing those ridiculous comments yeah it's, it's just a, I, I just hate it and i'm like this is why i've never done this is why i'm never gonna do this again it's like maybe this it's ridiculous will, because like, the, it's it's such a shame because people don't realize the 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 effect that that has on a business yeah and it's like we just so for like for example um uh, douglas like that that maniac from texas um who's got that video on youtube um yeah like literally because i i I saw it again after we spoke the guy is off his rocker because he starts he starts off by saying it's the best grinder ever made and then he goes in and i'm like whatever what are you talking about? And then he goes through saying that, oh, this happened, I claim this, it's the wrong birds and this. And then he finishes by saying, it's still the best grinder ever made. And well, the thing is, I've I've received countless emails from people saying like, oh, I was going to buy it until I got this. Or yeah. and it's just like, and 
it's funny. I mean, the, the guy actually tried to take up a case with PayPal and he lost because I submitted evidence. I was like, listen, we like make our parts to this spec. Here's like a part drawing. Here's a spec. This dude, he was living in Germany, even though he has like the Texan accent. German mm-hmm. customs is notorious for opening and damaging stuff coming in. So he has something that was like pretty clearly like damaged by customs coming in. It's not really like the manufacturer's fault. Well, we that's did not everything your whole problem, though. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a problem. And we actually tried to help him through it. But instead of doing that, he posted like inflammatory videos after like we were doing all this stuff to help him. And it, I, I mean, I think he was trying to sort of create clickbait. I mean, just the, the title of the thing, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, like the, the story of people trying to rip you off with these like expensive items on the internet. It's like, I think it's like one of two things, because I I have to say, like, with the rise of influencer marketing um, and the Mm -hmm. impact that social media has on companies, I've noticed a lot of people when they have a bad um, uh, or a kind of borderline bad um, experience with a company, they decide to do like a mini shakedown where they go online, they talk all this nonsense about a brand, and they hope with crossed fingers that that brand will reach out to them and give them like a free thing or something like that. Like, to try and mend broken bridges and then they'll go back online and say, oh, they fixed it for me and they gave me a free grinder and all this sort of nonsense. They, yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I do my best to stay away from it. I didn't read anything online. And yeah. I find the, the more I stay away and do it, better. I, I mean, I even treat, the only thing I do for, for company marketing is just, is Instagram, and then I automatically feed that into every other channel that I can possibly link it to: Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, like all those things. Just so I have one thing to think about, and I try to keep it very one way. I mean, I do interact, I guess, with uh, with customers a little bit, but I try not to let it be like this direct portal to the CEO because I just don't have time for that anymore. It's like with no, the volumes that we're doing and all stuff. It's, Oh, it's not the dream. And I, I'm I'm not the right person to deal with customer service. I'll be the first to admit. Like <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I just I mean I'm I'm a nice guy. I'm probably too nice at, at times, but I also have a, a fairly low threshold for like bullshitting and like and whining and stuff. And it's just the things that people talk about and the things that people are like complete it's like they just clearly don't understand manufacturing they don't understand the materials and i mean i want to talk about the customers because it's like we make stuff that like porsche would be like completely proud of you open yes. up and look at the engine casing of a porsche engine or something like there's gonna be we have people who take apart and send us pictures of the inside of a grinder like a minor manufacturing scratch or the the, the the location where it was hanging from an anodizing note or something on the inside of a grinder and they say, like, you need to replace this. I can't believe it. And I'm like, are you joking me? Like, do you understand how things are made? Like, are you can you show me anything that looks anything close to this in the world? Not just coffee grinders. And, 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 you know, and it's a mix of that. And it's a mix of that. And it's also, but there's the pleasure of people who are like, oh, my God, God this is like transformed my life. Thank you so much. My coffee tastes so much better. Like, yeah, the workflow, like, I, I really, there's a really great guy who, um, who runs a, a a really nice um, organization in in the states um, with a lot of like really well known chefs? I, I won't mention any names, but mm. um, he told me something. It was great coming from him, saying it's it's the first thing that I wake up to in the morning, and it's the last thing that I can look at before I go to bed at night. And I, oh, it was like fantastic. he just makes me feel well and like and, and coming from a, like a guy like this is. Uh, I can imagine. Very I can imagine. Like confidence inspiring. Um, 
there there are good good stories along with it as well. Yeah, I, course, I just opened up the, the cards as well. So yeah, please have, have a have a little read. <laughs> have a little read. That's cool. Huh. That's good. Yeah, this is like when your 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 readership aligns with the products and like and oh and yeah, stuff. this is like very different from from other things. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And I mean, to be honest, it's something that I had to recognize and not take for granted because so many people um, uh, who are also creators, friends of mine would be like, Omar, there is not a single word of hate on any of your comments. Like, do you know how lucky you are to, 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 yeah. to avoid that? Yeah. And I'm like, or, or you're doing a good job of like, you know, weeding them out um, yeah exactly and i i have li- I, mean, I, think I mentioned this to you to I've, i mean i've literally there. deleted like two comments in in the whole life of this website yeah. it's like it's like my my instagram i mean it's your instagram is super supportive like yeah it's it's great and even as it grows it stays positive and i don't really have to police it at all it's like every now and then someone will just like come on and they're like but then you look at like who it is and it's like they create an account just to come and bash and it's like you wonder if they're working for some one of the, the, the knockoff companies or something and, you know probably yeah. probably that is the case or maybe you know someone who's a bit disgruntled or something along those lines you know it, it it's almost yeah. always something along those lines because people just don't have the kind of energy to do that for no reason or very few yeah. people have the energy to do that for no reason it's almost always like motivated by something and i think I think that's something that for me um, was a huge barrier to entry to actually creating content for the internet uh, purely because I, I I have a fairly thick skin when I'm dealing with someone one-on-one and it's not on the bloody platform of the world. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly good in that respect, but when I'm being roasted in front of everyone on the internet, people yeah. I don't know, yeah. And people who might know me in the future can go back and read that and then form an opinion of me or listen exactly. to it and form an opinion of me before they get to speak to me. Oh, yeah. gosh. I mean, that's something that I just could not deal with. And it's because of all this like online hate is one of the reasons why it I is. just delayed yeah. it and delayed it and delayed it. Oh, it's, it's, it's funny. It, it, it sounds like you, you mirror like my personality very well with that. I, I developed a very thick skin, I think, working at Apple and having things that I would spend months on just being shot down in a single meeting with Steve. And, you know, it's like, okay, back to the drawing board, but it's great because it teaches you to, to throw away your pride and learn how to rebuild very quickly and learn from not necessarily mistakes, but just practice. It's a, uh, what, what are you drinking there, by the way? Uh, just Rubos tea. But it looks like a nice single malt, but uh, I'm. Oh, uh, Rubos. That's uh, the South African tea, isn't it? South African. You know, the funny thing about Rubos is that, it's only grown in South Africa. Like you cannot. Is it find something to do with like the it, with, with the climate or something? Or the the, the, the climate? The... I don't. I mean, I I find it hard to believe that the plant would refuse to grow on another continent or something. But sure, I, I do know that like the only rubus tea that you can possibly find source, be it organic or whatever, it comes from South Africa. It's like that is the drink of South Africa, and it's a wonderful thing. It's very unique. And it's a, a great, you know, like caffeine-free tea, and and I just think it's interesting that it is a it is the tea of South Africa. Are you are you into tea? I mean, obviously you're a, you're you're a coffee maniac, 
But are you are you, are you into oh, it? I love tea. Do you yeah, enjoy yeah. it? Of course. Oh, very much. Yeah. Because the tea is like pretty much super ingrained within within Japanese culture as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's uh, and the quality of the tea here is just is incredible, and it, yeah, it it's an entire subject with depth along the lines of horology and and cars and coffee sure. and all of that it's a it's wonderful it's just it's, it's, it's amazing how many how many different subjects and like things that are interesting relate to one another so i think we i think in our last conversation we said that it's like people who are into hi-fi are almost always into photography people who are into photography yeah. are into cars people who are into cars end up being into watches they end up yeah. and then coffee and all of it kind of it's it's like this encapsulating yeah. i guess you could call it like lifestyle preferences i don't know yeah, yeah. And um, a full disclosure, I, I for the first time I went on today and I, I listened to, I think it was three of the podcasts that you've already recorded probably within the past no several months. The, yeah, yeah, I listened to the the Grand Seiko one, which is wonderful. Um, oh, talking about the spring drive mechanism and the Hattori family and all that stuff. I have, yeah, a, yeah. I have a friend, it's a, a German friend who's actually here in Japan living now and he runs a, a it's a whole chain of a, of it's a beer brewery and like a gastro pub um, that he wow. has about 15 locations around Tokyo or something. Um, but he's really good friends with the, the Hattori family and like, and does some stuff um, as well as uh, a couple of people that we talked like a, uh, an artist friend of mine that uh, sounded like you, you knew from before. There's some ties. Yeah. To yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. I was actually yeah. Gonna, yeah. Um, it's, it was funny to, to hear you like tune into that and, um, and talk about it as very, this is something that they uh, that they that they sent over recently uh which was uh, a little a little face mask a grand seiko face mask oh that's lovely <laughs> yeah which was uh, which was quite nice to get but that that i have to say douglas that was that was that was a tough episode to put together i have to say because you know the 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 the, the japanese are generally japanese uh companies are extremely choosy and picky on who they work with and the kind of mediums that they allow um, to kind of officially endorse them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Grand Seiko is like probably the most picky and choosy when they're talking about like different outlets that they that they use. Uh, so it was like months of back and forth conversation going on with these guys mm-hmm. of me just constantly trying to convince them that I'm a huge Grand Seiko fan and I love what they're doing and I promise I'm not going to mess things up for them. Uh, so, um, and then eventually when I got on call with them, it was like getting information out of them was like getting blood out of a stone. Like literally yeah, yeah. it was, uh, so how do you polish this? Oh, we can't tell you that. Okay. Uh, how do you assemble this watch? Oh, we can't tell you that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, oh God. Okay. This is, this is crazy. Yeah. Like, just tell me what I need to know then. And I'm not going to ask any questions. <laughs> Yeah. It was it was tell, so cool. Tell me to what put you together. actually you've already determined is okay to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You've obviously predetermined information. But no, which other ones did you listen to that you enjoyed? Um I listened to that one. I listened to the the one about the rock about making espresso at home. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, which was which was very good. And which other one did I listen to? Um let me look after I, I I was able to do it through uh through Spotify, which was was great. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, Spotify is our biggest platform by far. Yeah, and I, it's—I mean, what I kind of use exclusively for music. I, 
unfortunately, like Apple lost all the music that I had like purchased oh, for no. a decade or so. And I just like I said, fuck it, I'll just pay month to month and and have everything. It's kind of makes sense. Um what did I say? Yeah, espresso and then I started to listen to the blue light filter. I listened to one of um roasting uh Trump, which was great. Oh yeah, that was that that was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. No, that I, one I mean, was pretty I, fun. I have it night. It was great because it was like happening like right as he got acquitted and stuff. It was just like like yeah, we we actually got the news while we were recording uh, that he'd just been acquitted. I I saw that and I was like, I I remember. I mean, I remember the day and I was just like, you just kind of see those news. I mean, I have the the BBC is the only one that I allow notifications on um, on my phone, and so and yeah, I I remember just like having a show and I was like, yep, like. That's why I don't live there anymore. (laughs) I mean, literally the first thing that came into my head was this guy has just proven that he is bulletproof. Like it is crazy. The fact that he's just gotten away with this. Unbelievable. Setting a precedent for that in, in politics in the United States is just tragic. And I'm just hoping that, you know, I'm hoping that the next decade will help undo as much of it as possible. But it's, it's, there's already been some pretty deep tracks set in cement from the past four years that it's going to take a lot of time to undo. And I would, I would actually, and what it's done go, to the rest of the world. Is, yeah. I agree. I would actually even go further than that uh, because there was a quote that was said by Richard Nixon um, uh, during his tenure, uh, where he said uh, he, it was during the uh, the Watergate scandal, and there was an interview yeah. that he did, uh, the famous one with uh, Frost, and. Yeah. Um, it was. I think it was being recorded. Uh, I don't think he knew it was being recorded. And they said, "What you did was it wrong?" And he's like, "It's not wrong." He's like, "What you did is it illegal?" He's like, "It's. It would normally be illegal, but it's not illegal because I'm the president and I did it. So illegal and legal doesn't matter with me. So I can do it." Yeah. And you you think about it. That was then, and it's kind yeah. of the same thing now. So when, yeah. I, when I'm like being hopeful and I'm like, oh God, you know, Joe Biden's going to change things and whoever comes next is going to change things. And it's just like, it's always been like that anyway. It's just been a different face, really. It's, it's, it's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always been the potential for that. I just think there's been a little bit more of a gentleman's code with, yeah. that came with t- the territory of the position. And we lost that for too long. But <laughs> Great. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But um but yeah, Anyhow. you know, I, I, I have to say, honestly, you know what? Like it it was it was so lovely seeing the uh seeing the response that I got from the blog and I was like, Oh mate, like I have to do more of this with you. Um so it's it's yeah, fun. It, I think it's a, it's good uh it's good brotherly banter that we're able to to talk. Well, I it's, agree. it's fun too, because like I, I like how I, you're clearly one who does his homework. Um, and I appreciate that because oh, thanks. <laughs> um, we're both on the, the sort of the maniacal side of the the spectrum of Agreed. getting into hobbies and geeking out on them. And there's a lot. Well, again, the internet has its way of finding uh, like-minded people. And but when when the synergy is right, and it's it's not just a bunch of people like you know. Uh, convening to to rally against a 
the capital or something that there can be yeah. good stuff out of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It brings maniacs like together, the only, the only but like the wrong type of maniac. Yeah. yeah. It brings yes. uh, Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, honestly, it's just been like so fun being able to talk to you and stuff like that. And just like, yeah, we have spoken a lot about coffee, but the majority of our conversations have just been, like you said, like brotherly banter. It's just been super chilled out and uh, it just goes yeah. all over the place really. Um, but like, honestly so one of the things that i've i've spoken about quite often on the podcast is like the importance of home cooking right yeah um and we've worked with we've done stuff on like why why japanese knives are the best um mm-hmm. that was so cool to do uh because yeah. they really are on a different level compared to your yeah. your usual german wurstoff and um uh, that kind of stuff it's um, funny. I don't even have that as like a point of reference. I mean, for me, that is the baseline. Like Japanese times, like I, I would know what else. Really? Like, yeah, I've never really, never really in my life have I ever had anything other than, yeah, Japanese forged knives like around. It's just, that's it. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Are you an avid cook, Douglas? Do you do you do you enjoy cooking at home? Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, both myself and my wife, we, we both do a lot. We have different our different specialties. She always comes okay. In what's your specialty? Like the, uh, well, I'm the I'm the the bread, coffee, baking, baking things guy. Like I'm about like fermentation and like the long game. I make the curries. Okay, I do stuff that requires like planning the day before and like. And, now we're talking. Yeah, and and she's more like everything that can be like pulled together and and done is like. Uh, sort of like a hot meal prepared like within like an hour or two okay kind of like last so the pretty night. fast turnaround so, stuff fast turnaround and more definitely very french i mean she's uh she's a french cook like oh, like brilliant. through and through wow. yeah so she, she's me, like yeah. knocking out cocovan and left right and center no but cocovan not, not so much she's actually never made a cocovan but um that would that would probably fall into my 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 court That'll be your perfect <laughs> with us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he's using the oven. Well, she does use the oven for stuff. She's actually been using it more recently. But like, you know, we do like I've been doing you know sourdough bread for uh, six or seven years. I've got my, wow. my homemade starter from a long time ago that I, you know, up, we're actually in, in the mountain house right now that you know, has like the whatever the yeast is like floating around in the air. And that's been going for for a long time. And unbelievable. And that was so basically you've, you've made your own ferment- uh, you, you've made your own starter then. So yeah, that, yeah. That, wow. I, if you haven't done it, I, Heather, it takes a long time before you're able to get anything decent out of it. But once you have it going and it's established, which is a few months in, it's a uh, it's very reliable. And the good thing is, it, it teaches you. It's the same thing as like as you learned making espresso by hand. Yep. The the small nuances that you learn to to roll with, like when you do this, and you know you get the feedback from it, and you see like how quickly it rises or, or doesn't rise and what it likes and what it doesn't and how it reacts to different temperatures and, and humidities and things in general and learning that and being able to sort of feel it as mm. more where we think of it almost as much of a, of a pet as you do a food ingredient because it's, it, it goes beyond, you know, just being an ingredient or something that you measure. It's, a, it's something that you deal with. And that's nice because I think it, that really is how cooking should be approached in general. Like, sure. I think all cookbooks and stuff, you know, like anybody who gets into cooking starts to learn about 
how to salt something or how to yeah. pepper and season something. And it's not about, and this is the thing that like drives me mad when you look at cookbooks or especially stuff. Uh, Cause I, I get a lot of American based media that, that measures things in teaspoons and tablespoons and ounces. Oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. It's the, it's like, the it volumetric me. measurements, isn't it? That just, it no just sense. drives me nuts. I'm like, like, first of all, the fact that, and you know, you guys are, are fully to blame for this, but the, the, Agreed. I was <laughs> 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 oh, sorry. I'm like imperial measurements. Come on, like <laughs> they're like the worst. They are. This is this is fucking horrible. I mean, I still like kind of have like a some ingrained in me, you know, like bit. I, I've I've actually lost the, the Fahrenheit sense. I don't really remember other than <laughs> that, like when it's in the 90s, it's pretty hot because I grew up in LA. Yeah, but like it, it, it's very know, confusing. And I know like what it means to run a mile because the first time I, I did long distance running, it was like, okay, what's your mile time? I have that like sort of ingrained in me, but I've sort of okay. lost it when it comes to like other things about like, you know, how far something weighs in meters versus yards or feet. And like sure, the only sure, thing sure. I really remember in feet and inches is height, but I'm right. it's now like this bilingual spectrum for that, you know, like that's why, like when we were talking before, you said you're six, you're like centimeters. Like, centimeters yeah. Is that like, Yeah partially though because that gets near like the two meter mark and two meter is like this it's a bigger barrier than going from like six five to six seven you're like i agree once you hit two meters like you're a fucking giant yeah and you should be in the like, nba at that point you know there's there's a crazy uh, statistic which is um uh one I, I think it's one in five people over seven foot are in the nba globally interesting yeah <laughs> so so every, i'm not surprised you know, but yeah yeah, it's it's crazy how how common. Uh, literally, if you're over seven foot, what one of the only jobs you can do is be a basketball player. And and what a what are the only jobs, or what a great competitive advantage it gives you. And so you're incentivized yes. to actually to go there. I agree. I hear the pay isn't so bad. Yeah, yeah the pay's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you you're into you're you're into long distance running. That's pretty cool. Um, cause my, well, uh, my, I mean, my a, co-host is a, uh, is a, is a, is a maniac when it comes to, uh, marathon running. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. He's done like What's, four uh, marathons. Um, wow. uh, yeah, he's done four marathons, uh, two Ironman comp- competitions, um, uh, a triathlon. Um, yeah, he's, he's crazy, crazy into that sort of stuff. I'm, I always cool. regarded myself as athletic, but, um, when it comes to like endurance sports and stuff like that, uh, he's just, I just, I just have nothing on him. It's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it's a different beast altogether. I think when you get to, uh, to people doing Ironmans and, and whatnot. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a different level. Uh, I mean, you're pushing your body to points, which I don't think many people will ever do in, in their lifetime. Yeah. I, I tell myself I will as soon as, uh, as soon as things settle down and I shit the next product, but by the time I shit the next product, I'm already too into the, in the one after into the that, next one. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you're, you're into like sourdough and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, so cause like the, the, the thing with me is I, I started like most people, I started really getting into cooking at home when I went to university, uh, mm-hmm. when I needed to learn the skill of how to feed myself. Uh, which mm-hmm. I think should be like, I think that's where, uh, and this is like an entirely different conversation, um, but it's to do with the education system. I think that along with like, particularly in the UK, I'm not too sure in the US or, or anywhere else, but 
like food science and providing students with the ability to be able to feed themselves, I think it's like tremendously overlooked. It's not something that is really taught in most schools in the UK. Um, I think it should be illegal for someone not be to, for someone to not be able to make like a pasta dish for themselves or someone not being able to like roast a chicken or, or, you know, fry yeah, yeah, an egg mean, or something it, like that. It goes along with like simple mathematics or like literacy, right? It's, uh, I agree. it's sort of basic human knowledge and it's pretty sad how much of that is being lost. And I think it's yeah. just as lost in the, in the U S as it is in, in the UK. It sounds. Um, yeah, totally. So, it's it is it's a huge huge shame um and it's yeah. it is a shame that it only when you're encountered with necessity uh do you then have mm-hmm. to kind of you know really reach down and be like oh i need to learn how to do this or i'm going to starve to yeah. death uh or the, or either i'm going to starve to death and i think that this is like a big problem with obesity as well is a lot of people they they decide not to learn how to cook nice food and kind of educate themselves yeah. on beautiful ingredients uh, and how yeah. to use fresh stuff like the value of organic fresh ingredients um uh, either that or they're kind of put off with poor kitchen equipment um uh, I- i'll give you a quick story like one of my friends he bought one of those knife blocks uh, okay. that come with like 12 knives and they're all yeah. really mediocre blunt knives essentially yeah and yeah. we were going to make a sandwich and he pulled out a tomato and the the knife kept slipping on the skin is a um, squish the tomato here. Literally couldn't cut the tomato. So he he took it and he just put it away and he's like, we'll just order something. And I, I think that like, you know, that kind of hindrance of poor kitchen equipment is is actually quite a significant barrier for some people where they where they just have like shit stuff in their kitchen to use that doesn't work properly. Mm. Um, yeah, if you ever uh, stayed in Airbnb, Airbnb, you can see a lot of that. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And I think I think that's a big thing is, you know, when you're when all you know, is rubbish kitchen equipment, um, it can be like a huge um, barrier to entry to actually enjoying cooking for yourself. Um, so, you know, it, it, like I was saying, I think it should be like a requirement for people to be able to feed themselves um, and to know how to use beautiful uh, ingredients. But for me, it came out of necessity, I moved. Do you away. think that's more likely to come from an education system or come from the home? Um, I think both, but I think to kind of the, the, the entire purpose of school for me is not only to provide an education, but to, but to allow someone to become a functioning member of society. Um, and I, and I, and I think that part of being a functional member of society is having very, very basic skills, you know, in school, they teach people how to behave with one another. Uh, as yeah. a form of of respect um that hey this is what mm-hmm. etiquette is this is what manners are you know you can't go up to someone and just say hey you know you're a fat shit or something like that that's bad manners yeah uh, i also yes. think that it's a form of respect being able to not only feed yourself but if the if the time calls for it to feed those around you as well yeah. um so i think it's it's an integral skill to be a functional member of society uh yes yeah. it's important to also enforce that at home I think the kind of leader needs to be the school environment purely because at that age you are spending the majority of your functional time in the school. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, but, and I think there's also a, a difference in terms of willingness, just, I mean, I think we're, it's ingrained in, in us 
to listen differently to the message from things outside Teachers. the home than yeah. just from our parents. Cause it's like, I'm always amazed when I hear and I see my kids being angels at school compared to how they are when they come home. And it's just, I mean, I think it's a, it's a universal truth that agreed. Agreed. There's, yeah. there's something to do. Like I would love there to be some kind of study to kind of understand the level of uh, receptability uh, compared for, for the same individual between like nine till uh you know three thirty or four o'clock whenever your school day ends and what it's like yeah. when you're at home i'd love to someone just to yes. like you know uh tie a kid up to like neuroreceptors and just see what happens to the brain when they go home <laughs> does the like does you the crazy maniac come out when they go home or something you wouldn't believe it man like especially because here in japan they do a very good job of like teaching kids to be orderly like put things back and like whenever we go and we, we pick up our kids from school, we see them like taking their toys, putting it back in the box. The, bo the box goes to its like set place on the, on the wall. And, and they do that like almost without being told at school uh, chairs, like right back underneath the table, everything. It's, it's just, it's impeccable. They get to is, school, is they take their shoes of off. Behavior, is that kind of behavior rewarded or is it just like, that's how it should be? I think it's just kind of how it should be. I don't think that they're using like sticks and carrots or cookies or biscuits or anything to like make them do this. It's just kind of like the way things are done. It's like, okay, we do this now. And I mean, our kids, by the time they're two years old, they, as soon as they arrive, they take their shoes off and, you know, go and go into the, the school. And, all it. and the difference between how they're doing that at school versus like what they do when they come home is like, we try to be just as, uh, as, I wouldn't say strict, but you know, like regimented with it. But yeah. it's the behavior is completely different. Like, and I think there's just something about how they listen to parents versus how they listen to peers and, and quote unquote teachers. So, I I, I I I think you're right. I think you're right. No, it's it's it is fascinating because you're you're the second person to say something along those lines to me in the last forty eight hours. So, uh, I did um, an interview with uh, a guy called Tyler Henry. Uh, he owns a, an eyewear company uh, and they make all their stuff in. Is it Sabai or Saibei? How, how do you pronounce that city in Tokyo? In, Sabai. In Japan? Sabai. Sabai. Sabai, yeah. Sabai. Uh, yeah, so he, yeah. He, he makes all of his glasses over there. And uh, we were talking mm -hmm. about Japan and he was telling me about some of his visits that he's made and how it's the most extraordinary uh, country he's been to. And the one thing that he kept pointing out is that, you know, like Tokyo is like five times bigger than Manhattan. And yeah. you will never see a single scrap of rubbish on the floor ever. Like they are just so clean and they know how to respect their environment. Yeah, it's, it's the cleanest big city you've ever been to. I mean, I wouldn't say that you've never seen a scrap of rubbish, but it's, uh, it's remarkably clean. It's not just Tokyo. It's like any city in Japan. Mm. It's just a very clean country. That's amazing. Clean That's in amazing. some ways, but then there are some, some place, places where you'd be surprised at the lack of respect for i mean it's they're human beings after all and there's a difference between how people are when they know they're being watched versus when they <laughs> they know they're not being watched um yeah especially i think uh in in certain countrysides and stuff like uh yeah and people can kind of let it's, their hair down a little bit certainly well and, and behavior yeah i'm sorry my, my wife is over there telling me but, the people responsible for it then she's 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 right i mean it's That's a perfect point yeah 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 it's um 
it is um uh, it it you're 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 totally uh, you're you're totally right it's surveillance has its drawbacks and it also has its uh its its positives as well um i'm not a big fan yeah. of you know kind of the big brother mentality um yeah. but yeah. um and it, and it's something that i voice very 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 often uh with facebook uh you you know that yeah. they're just like super dodgy when it comes to um individual oh, privacy and yeah. stuff like that um yeah and like i would love to just make an episode on my podcast completely ruining my non-disclosure that i have with facebook and just telling everyone what they're actually doing um but yeah. um you know they pay me and i need the money so <laughs> so i i definitely can't do that but but like, do it's... you but do you really but do i really that's actually a good point you know what um, the world security is more important to me than feeding myself. So, you know, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, no, but uh, seriously, you know, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing. And, um, uh, but it is good in some respect is that people know what they're, that, that there's repercussions and that they may be being watched or, you know, they will behave themselves just a bit better. Um, but also yeah. it's, it's something to do with the Japanese culture as well. Wouldn't you say? just the kind of culture of like looking after your stuff and having respect for it's, your environment. It's certainly there. Yeah, yeah. Um, very much so. It's it's ingrained. And like I said, we see it from preschool levels here. Like stuff you would never, never see either. Like, because like, we've seen other examples from our friends and stuff, both in, in the US as well as in France. And it's just, it's remarkable. Like, kind of heartwarming to see a see your little two-year-old or three-year-old doing that type of really responsible behavior almost that be told yeah yeah parents don't lose their shit in front of their kids in public here yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. In France, yeah. In the US too. Like, uh, and 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 the UK, in fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's 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 so common. Yeah. Uh, you, it's it is it is a shame actually, and uh, that's that's one thing that I have to kind of thank my parents for is they they never yeah. kind of provided that environment for me. Uh, it was yeah. always very much like, and I think it's I think it is to do a lot with cultural stuff because. Like uh, the the idea for a child with regards to their parents is sanctity. So it's like my parents are kind of these these perfect individuals, and you know they are the role models along with my teachers and stuff like that. And it's kind of maintaining that that. And I know it is falsity because there's so many parents that I talk to relations of mine who are like, my kids need to know that I'm a flawed individual, and they need to get used to that and they need to understand it so that way they don't hold high uh um high high expectations for other people and themselves and i understand that but at the same time when you're at that age you shouldn't be exposed to that kind of um uh, stuff um at the end of the day you're kind of a sponge and you're going to absorb stuff and it's kind of forming your yeah. personality and character at that age totally, um, totally. and it's kind of it's it's like uh, you know, when you get a new car for the first 5,000 miles, you have to like really take it easy and gentle with it. Um, I think the same thing is with a kid. You know, you need to give yeah. it the best petrol possible, the best fuel. You know, you need to take yeah. it on the nicest roads. 
don't go too uphill yeah. don't go too downhill don't push it too hard just really try and look after it as much yeah. as you can yeah like appropriately break it in and then once it hits that that 5000 mile point which is age 8 10 yeah, i'd say 8 know. or 9 or 10 yeah something like that yeah 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 start to rev it up and and push it and see see where it can go see what it can do yeah, yeah. open o- open yeah. the engine up a little bit um but uh, but yeah so um you know we we got this whole cooking environment thing and stuff like that and like with with me it was very important uh, very much um like you're it's funny like it's funny to hear that because I, like i would have imagined that like oxford i mean at least in, in the states like when almost any university you go to their food is almost always like a provided thing and there's very few resources for cooking for yourself until you get really off campus which i don't know if you how familiar with american universities but off campus is actually more of a rarity than it is uh probably in other places like especially okay. in in large universities like maybe it was weird because i mean stanford is a is a university but it's also a city so almost yeah yeah, it's yeah like 98 yeah. percent of people live on campus and when you're wow. doing that you're in like a dormitory or something else and and like i really started like having really cooking for myself because one i like studied abroad in japan and didn't have money to eat out all the time so it was like cooking for myself here and then when i went back to the place i was kind of like in this mode where i didn't want to be in a dorm because i didn't think dorms were cool anymore and so Mm. i had an apartment like off campus and i had to fend for myself a little bit more uh, at that time um but that that wasn't really the norm you know, most people are they're in dorms for you know four years and it's food is a, a provided thing you show up three times a day and kind of pick what you want and i don't okay. even okay. you know even like higher education it's not it's not really uh, granted there are like good examples in places that are better and, they, and people talk about you know why things are better and you know try to have debates around it but at the end of the day they're not really learning basic skills which i Jesus, I mean, these are people like learning fairly high level subjects and, and yeah. not able to do base level processes. And that's just, that's sad. I, I, I totally, totally agree with you. So there is a bit of difference with regards to the uh, infrastructure when it comes to uh, catering uh, in, in university, mm-hmm. particularly in the UK and the US. So um, uh, food is absolutely not a provided thing for the majority of universities uh, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It is until you go to university. So you always have an option for school dinners or school meals um, mm. from from all the way down to primary school, which would be uh, from mm. the ages of two or three years old, um, all the mm. way up to around uh, 16. Is that um, that's lunch, lunch on? That, those will be lunch, lunch meals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, and, and that's almost always if you're if you're uh, in a uh, state school, that would be uh, paid by the government. Um, uh, but when you go to university, um, so I was an undergrad and, um, Mm -hmm. uh, I lived on campus. So I, I went on a scholarship, uh, which I was very, Mm -hmm. uh, I was very lucky to, to get, I went on an academic scholarship and, Mm -hmm. uh, I lived in a particular, my accommodation was provided to me. Um, Mm -hmm. so I lived in a building, uh, with a shared kitchen with other people who were also on similar academic scholarships. Yeah. Um, and we all had a shared kitchen and it's very much so that 
um, in some circumstances, particularly when I went to uni, you would get something called a maintenance loan, uh, mm -hmm. which is you are paid money uh, to go and provide for yourself, basically. Yeah, uh, and that could be about five interest, or right? yeah, so that could be like five or six thousand pounds a year, which is not a lot, mm -hmm. but it's kind of enough to buy food. If you um, if you are using it wisely, yeah, it, you're if kind you of are using it you. wisely, yeah. Like most people, yeah. uh, unfortunately, they get their maintenance loan and they go out and they buy like a Louis Vuitton bag or something like that, and then they're broke for the rest Delicious. of the year. Yeah, like that's so common. People do silly things like that. Um, but. So you go out and you buy your food and then you use the shared kitchen environment. And then depending on where you're living, that's a bit nicer. It's like my one was quite bad, to be honest. It was quite it was quite nasty uh, because it was yeah. a very old fashioned building with a very old fashioned kitchen. Um, mm -hmm. And they tried to modernize it a little bit and it didn't very work. It didn't work very well. Um, it was kind of like like a modded kitchen. Does that make sense? It was like it was a kitchen that had been they tried to mod it, but it didn't work. Had they left it in like the wood-fired stoves and stuff, you guys would have been masters of, a, of an old art. Yeah, <laughs> listen, if they, if they still had like an arga in there or something, we would have learned how to use that. And that's cool, no problem. But they put this like really cheap induction stove and I am really against oh, induction gosh. stove. Yeah, yeah. It's like gas yeah, yeah. all the way for me. Um, yeah. But um, But yeah, so that was the environment that I was in. And like, obviously, as a student, you're broke all the time. You, you, you have no money. And... Uh, you kind of have to make things work. And we've, we've got a store in the UK, which I think is also in America called, in America, it's called TJ Maxx. Um, okay. In, so like in cheap clothing? Um, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's all the designers and the high-end brands that can't sell their stock, they will sell it to TJ Maxx at a loss. Okay. So it's easier for them okay. to sell it at a loss to them rather than just write off the value completely. Um, mm -hmm. And then TJ Maxx or TK Maxx in the UK will sell it to mm -hmm. their customers at a significant discount. Um, so I went there and I bought a chef's knife, which was 130 pounds, I think. It was a saboteur, so a French, um, a French cooking knife, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, which was like 130 pounds. And I paid like 15 pounds for it. It was ridiculous. Okay. Um, so I bought that. And that was my first thing where I thought, hey, I can master these ingredients because now I have a yeah. tool that can help me to do it. I can actually chop a, a tomato. Um, hey, I'm not yeah, slipping yeah, around yeah. and like cutting my fingers. There's this, there's this, this thing with like the, the right tools also where like you feel compelled because you have this tool to, to use it correctly. And yeah. it, even if you're not like a great cook, it just like, it, it's this motivational factor of like, okay, I have this thing. I have to like, respect it and use it correctly and especially when it's a uh, it means something to you to acquire it like yes. it's like in your case you know it's like you're using this limited budget to to buy this thing it's a it's a point of aspiration and once you get it it's a uh, it's it's held on a pedestal and and yeah that's it's, it's really important and you're not going to get yeah. that if you if you have 12 knives in a set that you purchased on a whimsical button click from amazon it's just not not the same it's 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 not the same at all and like uh again, again one thing that i've like spoken about at, at fairly great length is like the importance of making things feel special yeah. um like the moment that things feel feel not special you lose respect for that thing you lose like the want to be able to look after it 
Um, and like, seriously, I just think it's so, for example, like a lot of people in finance, when I was working in finance, so many people would have like the most beautiful grass fed, you know, 40 day dry age steak, and they would have it four times a week. Um, and they didn't realize they lost that feeling of like, Hey, I had a real good day today. Let me go out and have a beautiful meal. Yeah. That kind of feeling of appreciation uh, left them very quickly, um, which is yeah. why I think, like you know, having diversity and variety is important. Um, particularly, very important. as it is, as it is working up to something and, and understanding, it's like you won't appreciate good coffee until you like make a whole bunch of rubbish coffee to yeah. get to like kind of mediocre coffee to get to the suboptimal. You know, you have to work your way through the ranks just to even train your palate. And, and, and think... that, that, that even goes, that even goes back to the uh, thing that we mentioned on the blog about you appreciating the organic success that you had with the company because you didn't take VC funding. You know, yeah, yeah. you had there, to go through no that to frogging, kind of, yeah. yeah. Painful steps. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, like, you know, and then, and then when you, when you start building your tools, your, your, let's call it like your kitchen toolkit, um when you when you when you start building that you realize what do i need and what don't i need like what what is just unnecessary uh, and then you start paring it down and then maybe let's say you've got a thousand dollars or a thousand pounds to spend on everything all of a sudden instead of splitting that across 20 different things it's like 15 and then it's 12 and then it's 10 and then you've got this really yeah, streamlined yeah. thing of stuff that you actually need and yeah. the one thing that people don't really think about especially when you're starting off is a pepper mill. Yeah. And oh, I you, think I hear you. Yeah. Uh, and cause that was definitely yeah. not something that was on my list. Um, <laughs> it was just like, I, you know, I, I, I kind of question, I question that though. I mean, I'm wondering if like, if that should be, because you can tell that we're about to like move into a conversation about the Mulan and yes, I, I actually, I, of you. I, well, and, and since we're talking about getting into food and getting into the like culinary experiences, I, I actually wonder if it would be good or not good for that to be like the first pepper mill that people have in use. I almost think that like people have to go through, they have to use a shitty one yes. or I'm going to get yelled at for saying this. They have to use a Peugeot to understand what, what it is and what like you know 99 of the world thinks is like a pepper mill is in order to understand it to, to have the feeling it's like if you grew up eating you know 40 day aged grass-fed beef like you wouldn't understand what like an american t-bone tastes like <laughs> yeah and, or like a cube steak <laughs> or something like that like something just, that you have to like hit with a hammer to tenderize yes <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> and so but i mean maybe, maybe there there is or isn't an argument i think that the the argument against that is like just is that learning curve even necessary given the fact that it's going to have its own environmental impact and and you know like those things probably shouldn't exist ever and yeah. it's different it's a different conversation altogether but i think in order to really appreciate how like how good something is it's kind of like you know like for cars i mean the first car that i ever drove was was a 1971 volkswagen bug that was made baja style so you know a baja bug is i bought yeah, it for yeah, I know. yeah 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 so it looks like an off-road bug but i mean they're 
they break down all the time and you shouldn't really take them off road. They're just going to like fall apart. At least my growth, because it wasn't that great. But, you know, getting to that was like, you know, getting up at 5 a.m. on weekends and working at a bagel shop to like get the money to like have this car. And because yep. in LA, you have to have a car. It's like not just a status, it's like a necessity. You don't have a Yeah, because you, you everything's just so far away. Everything is far away. And, you know, it can be a, a total piece, but that's fine. And yep. mine kind of was a piece, but at least it was kind of cool. But, you know, like, having that thing and having that like compared to my my other friends who who had parents who wanted to like give them nice stuff like the first car was a bmw or something whoa okay and that was fairly normal like i went to like a nice school and there was the entire gamut of the socioeconomic spectrum and you know like my parents weren't gonna buy me a car like not at all. So it was, you know, like okay, find a way to make it work. Which I think is, in the end, it's a, it's a much better way to to probably raise your kids because Agreed. teach people to work for money and do those things, and and also like learn what it means to drive a shitty car and yeah, what it means to do an oil change and yeah, like you just learn you learn about the value and you learn about like well, I learn more about engines because my engine was breaking frequently compared yeah. to my friends who had like BMWs that were just like out of sight, out of mind. And yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And but there's just so and much. It, value it comes back and, and, to that kind of appreciation thing, isn't it? And then kind of, you know, totally. uh, having the curiosity to learn what makes something better. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm just wondering because we're, we're having the conversation now if that, that same mentality and, and learning curve applies to things such as, cooking utensils and tools and stuff in the kitchen. I'm I'm pretty sure that it probably does. Um I've just never thought about it in the same way that I thought about it with regards to cars. I think you're totally right because like for me it was very much when you're growing up, you aren't taught that, hey, there's three different types of knives. There's French knives, German knives, and Japanese knives. And they've all got their different yes. things and Japanese knives are really great. No, that you're taught knives are sharp. Don't touch yes. knives. Don't touch them. They're dangerous. Yeah, yeah they're sharp. Yes. And then you grow up thinking that all knives are sharp. Yeah. And that that's the kind of mindset that you have. And then you buy yeah. any old knife and you think, hey, this isn't really that sharp. Maybe this is what all knives are like. Yeah. You know, because I'm using the same one that my parents used or something like that, you know, and they were yeah. happy with it, which means I should be okay with it. And they fed me and stuff like that. And, and, and I think it's that kind of programming from a young age, which it, it really goes back to what you were saying on the blog post where you were talking about having nice things to educate your children on the beauty of product yeah. design and having nice things and valuing beautiful things and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And also see, seeing the same object from, you know, age two to age 18 when they, they do leave. If, if you can have that for them, then I think it really it, it teaches them how not to buy into consumerist society think just like you can imagine the growing, growing up in a house where like every year you have a different pepper mill versus one where guess what's the same one that they've seen on the table every damn night of their yeah like childhood yes. and there's something to be said for that i i, I totally agree and um yeah you know, I, I genuinely believe that it's just like this kind of programming that you go through throughout your entire life. It's like, hey, knives are sharp. Don't touch them. And then you realize they're actually not that sharp. 
And then you realize to actually get a really sharp one, you have to really reach into your pocket nine times out of 10. Uh, but it's worth and, it. And you also that. realize that like, strangely enough, the non-sharp ones are the more dangerous ones. That, it's like, exactly. Yeah. So go for Exactly. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of learning this kind of reverse idea that you've been told this kind of, this, this, this rhetoric that you've kind of uh, learned for you know, 10 years or a decade or something like that, or even longer than that in some people's uh, situation, it's relearning that as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah. And that can be quite yeah. difficult for most people. Um, like, for example, when I went out to buy my first chef's knife, um, my parents were very concerned because they were like, why is your knife so big? You know, uh, <laughs> we use these little paring knives, which is very common in kind of Asian households. Um, mm. where a lot of the cutting is done with the pairing motion up in the air. Uh, the use of a cutting mm. board is actually mm. quite foreign uh, to a lot of Indian and Pakistani households. Mm. Um, yeah, most of the prep is done in the air, and they do it directly in the hand, into the yeah. bowl. Yeah. yeah, yeah so wh whatever pot you're cooking into, you just cut everything directly over the pot. Yeah. Um, so they were like, that looks really dangerous. Why are you flapping around this huge, you know, eight inch blade around in the kitchen? But yeah. then you understand with the right grip, with the pinch grip, you can really have a lot of control over the knife and you should be yeah. careful with it. And sharpening a knife is a thing. You know, you don't just yes. throw the knife away and buy another one. Um, yeah. So it's relearning this whole thing. And, you know, for me, the kind of um, aha moment was. I bought one of those, you know, those electric uh, pepper mills, the ones with the button on top, and it's uh, it's it's kind of an electric pepper mill. It's like a, a normal burr set inside. I'm sure I've seen one. I've never owned one, but yeah, they're not very good. Um, yeah. You know, it, it it stops things like carpal tunnel, but um, uh, that's really about it. <laughs> the, the output is is fairly uh, abysmal. But for me, that was like this is it. This is like the best thing I've ever seen on earth because now I'm yeah. not cranking the thing and i'm not ruining my wrists yes. um and peugeot unfortunately was always just a bit too old-fashioned it didn't really output any more than the other ones and you're They're really just same. paying for the heritage yeah, yeah. You're, you're paying for the fact that when people use it and they look on the bottom they see peugeot and that that's really and yeah. they know it's expensive yeah um well, and that was it. Realize expensive it could be. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like unnecessarily expensive. So I think that just goes back to the whole thing of like, is it worth it? Like Peugeot is definitely not worth it. Um, like from my perspective. And I knew that even before I came across uh, your pepper mill uh, and yeah. salt mill. I just knew it wasn't worth it. It's this old fashioned wooden thing with probably a bog standard bursa in there. Um, that's maybe the, the, the housing around it is just made a bit better, but has no effect on your grinding experience. It's, it's not, they're, they're not designed around the burr. The burr is not an integral thing. The burr is a, an afterthought. It's like, it's the standard piece across any Peugeot. You can buy a Peugeot for probably, you know, 30 pounds or 200 pounds. And it's going to be the exact same mechanism, which really makes you wonder, like, like who does that? I mean, no car manufacturer would be putting, you know, the same engine into like <laughs> that's what it is right i mean it's well if, if anything the only... it's the opposite right if anything it's the opposite so like the vw group are very very uh, often they put lamborghini engines in audis you know or they just tune it down a little bit so it's actually the opposite thing going on rather than putting like um a golf engine in a bentley you know they're not doing that 
I think it's funny that we compare everything back to cars. Every yeah. time we talk about anything, it comes back to <laughs> <laughs> it's just such an easy, Kitchen relatable thing. Coffee stuff. It's just yeah. yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, you're totally right. Like you know, Peugeot is just like some bullshit, and it just didn't it didn't make sense to me. It, it felt more like a decoration rather than a functional thing. Um, yeah. so I was like, okay, this electric thing is the best I can get, and that's that's the interesting thing is that normally when you when you find innovation, it's normally amongst saturation. Sometimes, like you know the market is just totally saturated everyone's doing the same thing and then this one product comes forward and it's like whoa mind blow like this is so obvious um but there was just nothing there was nothing there like when i was kind of getting my stuff the best thing you could get was a motorized pepper mill Um, which is really not solving the problem it's just like it, it it's it's very superficial. It's like, wow, I keep turning this thing. I've, I'm, I've turned it a hundred times. I'm still like barely at the, the level that I want to get for my dish. And I don't know what's going to come first, like carpal tunnel or this thing's going to break. And, <laughs> and they're solving that by basically motorizing the part that already sucks, but they're not solving like the fundamental thing, which is like the birds aren't really doing anything. Yeah. And yeah. And adding more complexity to something to as a band-aid for something that's it's never the right solution yeah it's totally exactly it's exactly that it's a band-aid solution that's exactly what it is you're you're not actually addressing the problem which is the output and the quality of the grinds and the longevity of the burr set you know and the and the satisfaction of using it absolutely Uh, i think i think in my text i sent you i said like it's the nicest user experience i've ever had grinding uh pepper Oh, great. Actually, I don't think I read that, but it's just here. I was actually part of like this conversation was I wanted to hear your feedback and hear what you, isn't it? You had it for less than two days now, I think. Um, uh, I got it yesterday. Which probably means, yeah. Yesterday. Okay. Um, which means you probably like output a very significant amount of pepper. Um, yep. <laughs> whatever you've made. So. Absolutely. <laughs> I hear well, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll tell you my feedback and then I'd love to hear like, because as a consumer, you can kind of see like, that's and I'm sure that my mindset is is you can extrapolate what I was going through and kind of apply it to most people my age at that time across the world um, mm-hmm. of people who know that they know, people just know nowadays especially that freshly cracked pepper is better than buying the pre-cracked stuff. I think that's kind oh, yeah. of like already understood now because especially in the millennial generation. Um, but like the method of doing so is something that's a bit hazy and a bit grey. Uh, and 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 has been for a while now uh, on how to achieve the the best experience possible and essentially gaining yeah. maximum value for money. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my experience as a consumer. And kind of after I've given my feedback, I love to hear from you as well, Douglas. Like as a constructivist, like you know, as a product designer, what was going through your head and what led you to creating like the Mulan and the the Pepper Mill, but. Like I have to say, when I when I got it, so firstly, I wasn't expecting the mills to come in separate boxes. So when the guy showed up with a pile as big as he is of boxes, I was like, "You're DHL, right?" I was expecting something. This can't be it. And I walked in the house with with like a pile coming over my head. Uh, well, to be honest, I mean, like part of the reason for that is we just haven't made the package yet for the set. Because okay. the the Mulan salt doesn't 
it does exist, but it doesn't exist. I've already made um, my first production batch, but I can't sell them because we're starting a crowdfunding campaign because we're not trying to make them in the hundreds. We're trying to make them in the thousands. Of course. And, of course. And this is kind of your so high volume we, product. It, it, exactly. And so everything right now is treated as a, uh, as basically, even though it is a production unit, it's a, a test unit. Um, I'm with you. In essence. Um, I'm with you. Whereas the pepper mill has already been out, you know, for, for several years. So that one is what it is. And then of course. since we're not really going to be selling them until we have it on the campaign, we're, gonna, we're, we're already kicking off, you know, the, the set of, uh, well, the set packaging. So that's why they're, they're all in individual boxes now as opposed to. Well, I, I have to say I had like no problem with the packaging. I thought the packaging was beautiful. Uh, like it's it's beautifully simple. I really enjoyed it, actually. I think the the experience oh, of kind of unboxing it and just how simple and lovely it is and, you know, kind of well positioned everything is you've got your your little uh, your little supply of, of, of beautiful salt and beautiful pepper. Um, I mean, even down to the bottle that the pepper comes in is just like, wow, like what what is going you know, on? The, you is... recognize the bottle? You recognize it? No, I didn't. What 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 is it? It was funny because I, uh, independently, I had found this bottle, and then when I found the pepper supplier, who was a kind of a friend of a friend in in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, okay. he was a so his name is Will Meeker, and he's a guy who has this company called Milk Pepper, and I came across him because he was originally a customer of mine. He bought one of the pepper mills and loved him, and told me about his thing. And I looked at him up, and it was like it was great. I was like. I would love to be able to, for anybody who buys one of my pepper mills to know what really good pepper is. And okay. he had already gone to Cambodia and sourced his own organic compote peppercorns. Yes. And I wanted to have something that people probably wouldn't do by themselves out of their own accord. Typically when people use a pepper mill, they'll have either one really... I know exactly what you're saying. Really well. yeah. But I mean, there's there's the black peppercorns, there's the pink peppercorns, there's the white ones, and then there's like you know variations all over, right? And yeah. when people only use something for you know purely black pepper, of course it's wonderful, and there's a reason that it is the sort of gold standard of peppering something is the black. But the ability to have a really nicely curated melange as sort of the default that we put in box is like okay, like it, it's a way to just and hopefully open people's eyes to how good pepper can be and how how much you can get, not just the spice, but a little bit of sweetness and, and aromatics from it. And also throw a bone to a dude who's doing a really nice job curating pepper. And of course. And then it, it, it helps him. And it's also just a nice association with the brands. Um, but I didn't even talk about the bottle. So I had found this bottle and then I had this customer who had a, a something using an, another bottle which turns out to be um a a belgian penicillin bottle so oh it's, my gosh it's the okay. old school it's the old school bottle for penicillin and no so they way. still have you know, like yeah and it's it's a standard and you can get them like kind of in various places in the world but i just liked it because it instead of like everything gushing out it, it feels a bit more deliberate when well the, know, yeah the, the spout it's like perfectly sized to kind of you know dose your pepper in and stuff like that and it just works yeah you don't you don't spill things around you don't, yeah you don't, yeah it eliminates the spillage and it, it treats it a little bit more as a as a precious commodity than as just a, a dump it out of the bag type of thing and i mean I, like, I like the, the, the the bottle just kind of reminded me about like how much we spoke about your coffee brush um it's just like the the, the tiny tiny little things 
that you see consider. Thing. It's like you're, because it's a little bit unique. You're probably not going to throw it away. You're probably. I hope that you're going to like take one little flower from the garden and put some water in it yeah. and just have it be like a little vase on your on your windowsill or something. Like Agreed. if it could do that and like live a few more years, like it's done its job and it, it's it's earned its airfare on DHL. And yeah, <laughs> that makes me feel a little better. Yeah. yeah. No, I think I honestly like it. It's just, it's just so beautiful. Like without even handing the peppermint already, you're just like, what is this? This is crazy. Like this guy is clearly like borderline insane. That the attention to detail that's going on is is out of this world. It's just such a beautiful experience. Um, because it's just it's, it's, it's so also common that because like we spend so. I mean. I I have mixed feelings about this because whenever you see anything that's like a big brand that cares about their packaging, I yep. feel like they care about their packaging so much that they turn it into almost like a marketing object. And yeah, the packaging I've is almost opposite, the product. And I've had this, and I have really mixed feelings about this. I still have mixed feelings about this all the time. And I'm always wondering, like, should we grow up, should our packaging grow up the same way that our products are grown up? And part of me, like... It's in a way they're they're fundamentally pitted against each other because I feel like I feel like as a consumer and as as a creator, I don't want the money to be going into the packaging. I want the mm-hmm. packaging to be a nice experience. I want it to be as like environmentally friendly as possible. So I'll unbleached cardboard, like whatever I can do to to keep it that way. And you know, the, but the purpose of it is to to get it safely from like from our home to yours and keeping it very simple and, and functional with that but obviously designed i mean we try to have everything you know, cut out of a single piece so you can fold it and put it in there but protect it really well and not be a whole bunch of like printed media and like marketing stuff and also to keep it a little bit nondescript like i worry about people having what is clearly like a you know, 300 pepper mill sitting on the doorstep and being you know targeted for that and i'd rather yeah. have it be just very nondescript and like just a box and it's a, it, and the, it's the a magic huge ha- thing yeah it's a huge thing and the magic happens when you open targeted. it up you see what's in there yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah so in a way like we've been mindful of that but at the same time i have mixed feelings i'm like well i'm wondering if i should go more like apple root and and make this sort of unboxing experience where you know you're but I, I would never do like you know pulling on the tab of like a, a piece sure. of plastic in order to like open up something because <laughs> I just think it's wrong. Um, but doing more to to that experience and and I don't know, it's uh it's I one mean, of those things that I still like. It makes yeah, me in, in, in any case, it makes me happy that you enjoy the unboxing experience. Like I, I honestly, I always I thought, wonder if I people it was think beautiful. of it as. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was such, just such an intentional um, unboxing experience. That's the thing. It felt intentional. It's like, you know, talking to you, I know that you're really passionate about, you know, being as, as carbon neutral as you possibly can. You, you're, you're, you're very kind of uh, conscientious about uh, offsetting your carbon footprint and stuff like that, which was clear from the cardboard boxing. Um, you know, just like that, I believe that the unboxing experience should reflect the values of the company. Um, and I, I think that your unboxing experience reflected that very, very well. Um, and I'm always skeptical of, um, brands that invest a lot of money in their unboxing experience unnecessarily. So 
uh, because it makes yeah. me question about how much of the how much of the um, uh, how much you pay for the packaging, how much are you paying for the product? Exactly, literally. Like, I'm just like, yeah. what have I just bought here? Have I have I bought a product yeah. or have I bought a box? What what's happened? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which is why I think probably like you know even 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 Apple like you know their unboxing experience isn't actually that great. It's not that frilly. It's literally just a white box that you pull open, which is as cut as close to the product size as possible now. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's probably one of the simplest, uh, most straightforward un- unboxing experiences you can experience, but. Yeah, it was really lovely. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it was very reflecting on the guy who made it. Because um, I'm I'm obviously in a beneficial position where I could call you a friend. Um, and I know who you are. I know what you kind of stand for. Um, but I, you know, I was obviously super excited. I, I cracked both of them open. Uh, I immediately ran downstairs into the kitchen. I got that ridiculous electric grinder. And, you know, lo and behold the batteries died so immediate sign that this is bullshit uh so i i I got some batteries i put them in and uh so that okay so firstly that the the pepper mill was extraordinary it was a bit uh tough to kind of grind initially um which of course is is going to be the case you know you're going to have to kind of you know wear the birds in and whatnot and kind of you know pump a little bit of pepper through them Oh my goodness, after like 12 turns, it started opening up and you could feel it starting to breathe. And I mean, this thing shouldn't be called a pepper mill. It should be called like the pepper vomit. Like that's literally what it was like. It was vomiting pepper out. It was, it was, it was mad. It's a better word than that. (laughs) Like the, the, I don't know, the, 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 the pepper regurgitator. I don't know the pepper puke. I don't know. I'm I'm just getting worse now. <laughs> it's just when we're talking about food, you can't use like regurgitatory words. You can't. You, you can't do <laughs> that. I've 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 fucked it completely. <laughs> no, the, the the funny thing is like, and this this goes to show. Did I tell you before about the the company that kind of ripped it off? Uh, man uh, kitchen yeah that one man kitchen the pepper cannon and it's like you kind of want to say pepper cannon but now you can't do it without like referencing him and that and yeah without like trademark infringement yeah i don't think he has any trademarks on it but um really i mean well there's no scruples with him and his company anyway so um it's i i i have i have Listen, I've I've checked that product out on the internet, yeah, and and mm-hmm. and firstly, it's just it's nowhere near. As, I'm not saying it's because you're sitting in front of me because I I feel like that you know that if if I thought it was bullshit, I'd I'd say it was bullshit. Um, but like the, with regards to just general design, uh, the the aesthetics of 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 this is superior to any um uh, pepper or salt mill I've ever seen. It's just aesthetically a beautiful thing. It really is, and it fits in so nicely within the aesthetics of your range. Um, yeah. You can tell that it's kind of like a younger sibling of um, of, of of the other products, um, yeah. But uh, but kind of that aside and, and all, because none of that means anything if it doesn't work beautifully, right? Um, yeah. But oh my goodness me, I I had never experienced like such an ease of use and extreme pepper output than I had using that pepper yeah. mill. It was ridiculous. I I put like a um, you know, one of those. Uh, uh, pepper boxes that you have where you 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 grind a bit of pepper in there and you can you, you can just immediately get out and, and sprinkle so yeah, yeah i i was able to like fill one of those up to half um yeah. in like a minute if that 
yeah. It was crazy. And then I did the same thing with my electric pepper mill. And like, if I'm not getting carpal tunnel, I'm getting like repetitive strange syndrome in my index finger at the very least. Like there is yeah. something going on because I was holding that damn thing for like a minute. And yeah. I got like this little, this little pathetic pile of very um, uh, unevenly crushed black pepper. Um, yeah. Like using some, some coffee uh, um, uh, semantics. It's like, I had these fines. I had these boulders in there. It was just like, it was a yes. mess. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a nice grain distribution. It was not a grind and very nice grind distribution at all. It was terrible. Uh, but I, yes, it, 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 your, your pepper mill works lovely, but the UI that you've developed with adjusting the grind setting is a stroke of genius. It's so such a pleasure to use. My God, you know, you just feel like this kind of secret agent um, who's just, you know, skipping through grind settings and stuff. It's so cool. It just makes you feel like, uh, like James, the James Bond of kitchen utensils or something like that. It's, uh, it's very, very cool. It, I, I, it's I love funny it. To, like, I think that was what, uh, there, there was some, some online blog that was talking about the EG one or the, the, one of our products recently. And that was what they said is like, is basically it was the, the coffee equipment for James Bond if he was into coffee or something like that. And, and I've, yeah. I've, it's always like kind of been in the mind. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, that's the kind of uh, the aesthetic that it gives me. Um, but not yeah. only the aesthetic, but it's just the, the ease of use, the workflow, if you will. And I know coupling the word workflow with a freaking pepper grinder is crazy, but there is a workflow to it. You have to adjust no, no, the grind it's at some very point. True. You have and to fill it up. Yeah. You have to. And when have you ever adjusted a grind on a Peugeot or anything and actually had it and actually known what's going to come out and yeah. actually had yeah. it not like go bigger or finer? Like I, there, it's all these weird like thumb screws up in the gubbins of the thing. And like, even and this was the thing that like I didn't understand about like the, the one. I mean, we, we can say that, right? Like the, because I know that he was aware of our product when he started a Kickstarter around something yes. that was remarkably similar for, for the pepper cannon. And he did that, but he didn't solve the fundamental problem of sticking your fingers like up into the burrs to adjust it the way mm. that like you would anything else. And it, to me, it was just, it was kind of crazy. It's like, if you're going to rethink this thing and, and think about the problems, like that's kind of the, biggest most glaring problem about it is how do you adjust your grind and how do you keep it where you want it to be and know what know what's actually going to come out just by looking at the thing as opposed to grinding and seeing and 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 you know what i, th I think yeah. that's one thing and i this is something i have always been i've always felt like a bit of a leper about this particular subject because it seems as though that i'm this lonely guy in this world who is the only one that believes this is I don't like stepless grind adjustment. I, I hate stepless grind adjustment because it's not repeatable. It doesn't allow me to, it's, to realize where I was and how do I get back there. Here's, it, it's, it's very simple. And, and I've thought about this a lot, as you could probably imagine. The reason that stepless grinders of, of any genre have a bad, bad reputation is the steps are too big. And yes. so you don't have the granularity that you want. And you can solve that with precision. Mm. And that's just what we're doing. We did it with coffee. And the fact that we did it with coffee made it 
kind of really easy to do with pepper because coffee is a much harder nut to crack when it comes to a very similar problem. And I see. that was the whole reason that the whole reason that like I wanted to make a pepper grinder to begin with is it, it was kind of an obvious like leap in terms of uh, of product genres because yeah. I as as we've already talked about I was like yes like I do love doing stuff in the kitchen I'm a, I'm a tool geek regardless of what they are I mean my you would love to see like my my sets of screwdrivers and, and Allen wrenches and stuff. <laughs> It's quite fantastic, <laughs> but when it comes to, it was one of those things I was like, I've, I literally, I've hated every pepper grinder I've ever had in my life and pretty much every other like tool geek or, or kitchen, like loving person I know is in the same boat. Like no one has ever loved a pepper grinder and it didn't take too long to put two and two together. It's like, wait a second, this is a grinder. I've already thought about like the coffee grinders and like for so long that like, why don't I just apply the sort of same knowledge and, and regimen to this? And it was just a side project at the beginning and never really intended to do anything with it to disrupt, you know, the, the coffee grinder business. But by the time I got to, you know, prototype number eight or nine, it was like kind of ready to go. I was like, oh, I really like this thing. And I really liked it and kind of just, had it as this non-spoken product for a long time um up until up until last year when i saw um somebody sort of take the concept and do a bad job at copying and putting it onto kickstarter and making yeah and, over and, very, and do it very successfully yeah and very successfully and i was like okay it's time to rethink like my marketing strategy for it and what i did immediately was i, I looked at you know, getting some outside help with the marketing and, and did so put together a very, very quick, like landing page and, and Facebook ad and, and realized that if I could spend like a dollar on marketing, I could sell $10 worth of pepper grinders. And I blew out my inventory in about a week. And I was like, well, this is scalable because there's clearly a market for it. And even paid marketing works on getting these things moving. And the other thing, I mean, I already knew they had like a good, had several Michelin star chefs and like personal friends and people across the globe using them, but I never asked anybody to like help market it or do anything. And, and no, it's kind of just because they love the product. Yeah. Yeah. They love the product. And like, they also, I think, wanted to keep it as like their, their secret weapon. And that's yeah. fine. Like, you know, like good, good for them. But at the same time, I'm not only running a business, I'm, I'm trying to create better tools for people who know how to use those tools and improve mm. the experience for as many people as I can and reduce the amount of like rubbish pepper grinders that are inevitably going to be produced and used for a couple of months and thrown away and fill, fill our landfills um, across the globe. And it's like motivating people to, to cook at home and enjoy that process and, and, and enjoy, like I, I, so many people have like come back and and told me I've never pe like I just want to pepper everything now. Like, oh my like, god! And, and, yes. my, and my son uses this and like he's like bring his cereal and I'm like what the fuck like you what have you done to us? Like <laughs> I'm sure that like <laughs> we'll settle down after a while, but it's good that you know like people can you should you should enjoy like interacting with your tools and using these things and and the great thing is you get to enjoy that at every meal. For the rest of your life, and absolutely, yeah, it's expensive. It's, it's a little expensive, but it's not as expensive as the, the ten pepper mills you're inevitably going to grind. Yeah, 
buy over the over the next several decades. It's Absolutely. your your whole cost per use thing is like it goes down to nothing. Yeah. So every literally. time, yeah, yeah. And uh, this and, is about and, the and, only and, forum I can actually talk about that at length. I will try to put that into like a, a Facebook ad in your. <laughs> yeah it's just like it's just like it just goes it just goes straight over like so many people's heads because they're like oh blah, blah, yeah. enough of this you know, no a pepper mill can't cost more than you know 15 dollars or it's like yeah or 20 dollars or like at the most you know 50 dollars okay that's fine 320 dollars are you crazy like no yeah. fool you know stop enough of this nonsense you keep your ridiculous yeah. stuff to yourself um, yeah. because I, I, I have to say, so like the dish that I decided to make when I got it, I was like, I need to cook with this now. I literally, I mean, Douglas, literally I, I do a one meal a day diet. I, I do not eat during the day. Uh, I eat mm -hmm. one big meal at the end of every day. Uh, I okay. broke that for you. I, oh, I you. broke that for your product. Um, you had it, to it make just, a, I, so I made a catch pepe. Okay, great. Yep. Ketchup is the, the perfect one. Yeah, perfect. It's funny pepper. you mentioned that. There's a yeah. There's a a, a, a fairly well known chef in Los Angeles named Evan Funk. Um, oh yeah, I, look know. Him up. I he's know like, that name. Yeah, yeah, I know that name. Yeah, he's yeah, he's like trained in trained in uh, Bologna and then like is back in LA and basically trying to keep alive all sorts of obscure handmade pastas. Yes. And I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him yet, but he was. A friend of a friend got one of them, and that like, the first thing that he like, the first thing that he went to to make with it was the the ketchup. And I was like, well, I gotta go and like have this guy's version of this because it's freaking, it's got to be world class. He's famous for it. And Amazing. I'm glad to hear that was what you started with. So. That that's exactly <laughs> what I started. It is with. the dish. It's it's it's. Listen, if you're gonna try and test out, and plus with that beautiful pepper, that's uh, the Cambodian pepper that's paired with uh, with, with the grinder. Yeah. You know, you have to have something where it's gonna sing. And unfortunately, and this is something I do recommend to anyone who does decide to buy your grinder, if you, if you want to be able to taste that pepper, I, I would probably steer less towards a, a searing kind of dish, like a, a steak or meat or something like that. Because unfortunately, at those high temperatures, you are killing a lot of the enzymic uh, properties in the in the pepper. Um, so you're kind of muting a lot of those, the, the sweetness and uh, citrus notes that you're getting through the Cambodian yeah. pepper. So that's why I chose yeah. to make a cacio pepe because of the lower temperatures. Um, and so, it's it's, it's, pepe, always, it's a pepper. I always, think of like, I always I always think of like the the first thing to like really like bring those out is just like it's just a salad, like a slice Perfect. of like a really like nice tomato, like something that like a non basically like a, a raw vegetable that like something that you're peppering and enjoying that as not as a cooked ingredient, but as a just just a seasoning. It's raw. Yeah, yeah, just a seasoning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or actually something really beautiful was um so we've got an area in London called Hackney. Uh, and Hackney mm -hmm. is kind of it's in East London and it's very well known for a particular bakery that makes sourdough. Uh mm -hmm. and every now and again when they've got a really lovely batch, uh, I'll kind of call them up and I'll 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 order some loaves and they'll come and bring it to the mm -hmm. house and stuff like that and uh, I, I was lucky enough to have a few uh, a loaf left that I was um, mm. cold aging in the in the fridge, and mm -hmm. um, I brought that out and I I had this butter and I just put a bit of butter on there and I ground some of the pepper on there. Ah, oh, yeah. it was crazy! It was crazy! Yeah. It was like it was That's it was good. mad. Yeah, it was it was it was yeah. intense. 
Um, but uh, but that's the thing is that like if you have really great ingredients, it's you don't need much. You can. Uh, that's yeah. why when you talk to like the most uh, advanced chefs and you're like, what's your favorite dish? They will never pick out some advanced recipe. It'll always be yeah. like the best bread and the best butter. You can't beat it. You know that's kind of the yeah. the realm that they operate in. But um, totally. but yeah, I I I made cacio e pepe and um, it was almost like I never made the dish before. That's kind of the experience mm. I had while preparing it. Um, and I'm really not being um, I'm not I'm not exercising hyperbole here. It really was that kind of change. It was it was that significant in change. Um, I'm glad that you've actually used something of ours now other than the blind shaker. Oh, that's the, yeah. That's the thing that makes me the happiest. It's like you're now using that actually is, has a, our company name on it was, has a, a true mechanism. It's, it's just a, you know, a few machined and polished parts is a, is a, a more of an experience, you know? Like, oh yeah. It was, it was really something. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is something else. Like, and then that's when I messaged you and I was just like, I, I actually had other thing. I, I had a few, uh, one other interview to do. I messaged that guy. I was like, Hey, I'm so sorry. We're going to have to re we're going to have to reorganize this. I got, I got, I got to do something else. I got um, to pepper some literally some <laughs> um, no, because I was just, I was so kind of uh, excited about uh, having another chat with you that I was just like, Hey, like I need to do this as soon as uh, I need to message Douglas and be like, Hey, when are you free? We need to do this, um, but yeah, the, the experience was just out of this world. It was so cool, and and the salt, um, the Mulan uh, salt uh, salt mill, yeah, was just crazy. Like the output was more than the pepper mill, and I think that's probably because of the salt is just easier to grind than pepper, right? The salt, yeah, salt can be easier. It's yeah, already um, brittle. Exactly, it's already brittle. You just need to crush it, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, the output was just out of this world, and the salt that it comes with is is lovely salt. It reminded me of the Malden uh, sea salt that I use. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I, I I'm very partial to Malden sea salt. I like it quite a bit. Um, yeah. Much to the chagrin of my my French wife, um, <laughs> <laughs> she loves the, the stuff that Camargue. It's like, well, yeah, I like the Camargue salts too. But like, there's also really good stuff both here in Japan as and the the Malden stuff. I I. I just love the the texture. I love like the Agreed. the I love the, the size like of the pyramid thing, like, right? The yeah. bite. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's great. It's 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 better than I think the average fleur de sel for a yeah. I'm a big fan. I agree. Um, it just has this beautiful kind of heterogeneity and texture. Um, it's just it's mm -hmm. it's it's really lovely. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's that's my favorite. It's the best. It's but you didn't need me to tell you that, right? I mean, it's the best. Uh, it's the best pepper mill I've ever used in my life, and probably ever will use. Um, yeah, I, I'm fairly confident in that. I, it, it's just it's still a fairly new revelation to me that like, well, uh, I wasn't the only one in the world who was dissatisfied with uh, their pepper mill, and yeah, I think that people once they realize what they've been missing, and once I think that the right people are vouching for it they're going to be won over. I mean, we've already won over enough people through a little bit of paid marketing that, you know, we're, we're trying to take it to the next step now, which is, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an investment, you know, but yeah, like, but then, but like, you know, I think, I think the kind of literally three meals a day, every day for the rest of your life. Like, but just you know what? I think, I think there's a really interesting knock on effect that I think you might start noticing uh, Douglas and something that affected me using it yesterday. 
was the first thing that I did in the evening is I sat there and I started researching pepper because yep. now I thought yep. I've got this pepper mill. I need to yep. start upgrading my pepper game. So yep. now I'm starting to educate myself on better ingredients with regards to pepper. I started going online totally. and researching salt. Like you're not yep. only just creating a product to do something, yeah. you're allowing people to want to educate themselves and feed themselves better food. And I think that's one yeah. hell of a mission, like seriously. Yeah. And it's, it's actually something that like, I, I really want to do as part of the, the packaging for this in, in the next step, because we're going to start getting this to a lot more people. And I think almost more important than like teaching them how it works, because that's fairly simple is on the same single piece of paper that we were printing is to get them a very, very quick guide to like where to go for good pepper, where to go for good salt. And and let them know. I mean, an online resource is also like a, a, a sort of no-brainer for it. But just as you get it when you're opening this thing, you already see here's an example from us of a good salt and a good pepper, and they have that as a you know right out of the box, like ready to go thing, which I think is important. But just as important is helping to educate them, like like you said, and like point them in, in the right direction, because not everyone is going to be as uh, as studious as you are in immediately deciding that they need to, to research the world of pepper and eventually, you know, they may get there, but I think pushing them in that direction is going to improve that experience as, as well as hopefully, you know, help the, the good pepper farmers out there. I, I was literally just about thing. to say that. Yeah. Because this kind of, you know, yeah. providing that kind of um, uh, that literature um, uh, in your packaging yeah. can then opens up so many doors of supporting great farmers and really great producers and stuff like that. And yeah, it just, totally. it, I, I love the idea though. Like, I, cause I, I know it's just such a small thing and I keep banging on about it, but you know, cre uh, creating that because you're, you're essentially like, Hey, you may have pepper already, but this is what your gold standard should be. Like you shouldn't really be diverging too far away from this. You've just spent $320 yeah. on a pepper grinder you know, yeah. spend the extra two or three dollars on some really beautiful pepper. Um, exactly. And and this should be your gold standard. This can be your reference from now on, regardless of what you have in the house. Um, yeah. And that had a huge impact on me. Like I said, you know, I, I immediately started reading like reports on telecherry peppercorns. Um, yeah. Like it was, uh, it was, it was intense. Yeah, I did. A, it was a, it's actually been a while since I did this, but there was a early in the development of it. I got, all sorts of like crazy peppercorns from all over the world. And I took some nice pictures with my, um, I have a very nice uh, Zeiss macro lens on my old oh, Olympus. Beautiful. And I took some pictures of just the, just the peppercorns, like all laid out on a single piece of paper. It was like yeah. one of the, it was a very early post, like down towards the beginning of when, when I first launched the Milan. And I still have the picture somewhere too. I think only, I, I took like a you know, hundred photos, but I only posted one. Um, I should send some to you because it's nice. It's like, yeah, it's, please. It's good. It's good pepper porn. So, <laughs> and uh, uh, Douglas, like, if 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 somebody kind of wanted to uh, get the set or get whatever, how how they, how they do that? The set of the of the mills. The mills. Well, yeah. well, right now, I mean, the, the pepper one is available right now. It's on the site. You can just go okay. in and buy it, and we we ship them every day, like all over the place. Um, the the salt one is not going to be available until we do the Kickstarter campaign, which is going to start tentatively on June 15th. So in about two weeks. Okay. Um, is that going to be around the, the same, same time. sort of time that you're going to be doing the key as well? Right. Exactly. Probably they might launch the same day because we're launching on two different platforms. The, the 
salt mill is going to be on Kickstarter and the, the coffee grinder is going to be on Indiegogo. Um, okay. And, but the thing that people don't realize, which is very different from standard, uh, what do you call it, crowdfunding campaigns. I've already made a few hundred of the salt mills. Okay. And so it's ready to go we're going to have much. like, we're going to have the immediate gratification like tier. And mm. I need to talk with, a uh, like people who are more strategic about this than, than I am about, do we sell that at a higher price point at a lower price? Like, I don't even know what like, the right answer is. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking that maybe for the, the immediate gratification, it should be like, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, you should it's probably a, definitely like you know, have other people. There's definitely a premium for that because uh, it's extraordinarily rare on somewhere like Indiegogo Kickstarter to have immediate gratification. Uh, and I think the only company yeah. that's done that is Fellow. Um, with the okay. with the Ode, uh, yeah, I think they had immediate oh, they had gratification. A... Yeah, mm, that's cool. Um, which is super yeah. rare, actually, super duper yeah. rare. So uh, yeah, I'd probably yeah. look into like charging a premium for that. To be fair. Yeah, and and I, I did this. I, I, I'm quite happy with it. I made this caddy for it that um was uh, I, I thought about it for a long time and made a, a bunch of different um versions. Did I send you pictures of it? No, no, it? no. I'd love to. I'd love to see it. Maybe I, I think I put it on a on Instagram a, a few weeks ago. Um, maybe it was just on a story. The caddy for the, uh, for, for the for uh, the salt and pepper mill for the salt for the salt and pepper mill. Yeah, let me pull it up right now. I can show, I can show you. Yeah, please. Um, And I can go to here, here. Oh, and Douglas, that's beautiful. So it's just that. So it's basically it's kind of the same the same design language as our um, your bean seller as the bean seller caddy. It's a you know a solid brass piece, hardwood, and then th this is actually one that I made myself. So it's a still a quick prototype. Um, but the uh, the actual mills will be embedded a little bit deeper into the caddy like right now the uh sure, makes the sense foot is for a bit yeah. more stability yeah so yeah that's uh that's, that. that's beautiful um, so that would be like one of the one of the perks i guess for the uh for the is that going to be an additional kind of purchase or is it going to come with the set um it's probably going to be like a uh one of the perks like if you buy two then, an early bird you, know, you get like a big discount yeah um still like working out the details on that i don't i'm not too familiar with like how all that stuff works but um and That's then we'll have it as a kind of a stand a standalone thing for people who already have one and yeah so so what i'll do then is like you know even though you guys are um doing the campaign in a couple of weeks when it goes live if you can send me the link and then on this podcast episode, I'll update it and I'll put it in the link so anyone who listens to it then can immediately just go yeah. through and purchase. Yeah. Is is your I'm actually gonna ask you about that. One one thing that the uh the, the people who've been helping me put the campaign together, and I've asked this for a couple of other people, is um is and I'm not so sure it's relevant in this case because mm. we have early signups, which is good. We'll get ahead so they can have like a it's actually, it's actually a really big discount if you sign up ahead of time. Um, okay. Like if you if you buy one in the first like day or two, you're basically buying it for two hundred bucks as opposed to three hundred twenty. Wow. So it's like thirty seven percent is way off. And we're doing that. I mean, intentionally, partially because we want to. The way crowdfunding works is you get like a, when you get a whole bunch of people coming in on day one, day two, it mm. starts to snowball, and that's a it's a good thing for the overall campaign. Yes. Um, and so you know we've got this like 
growing list of uh, of sort of early adopters, um, and some people have been well. Some of the campaign strategists have been telling me that it's good if you have like good outlets on the media to ask them to wait until like the day that it goes live to post something, okay. so that people so that people immediately go there because there's always going to be fallout. Like, and every time you're waiting like another day, you're like going there and signing up and then waiting again. Like, there's just a natural attrition rate to that. Um, so actually, what so we could do then, uh, what what I could do then is I could I could wait a couple of weeks. Which if I'm, that if that if that if that honestly, works, I'm cool with that because I was going to post it in like a week and a half anyway. Well, if it's a week and a half anyway, then it's just a few days, and then yeah, it actually I'll just wait a few days at that. I mean, at that point, it, it probably doesn't matter. I don't care if it's is like there a, is there is there a sign up that people can sign up to? So, like, if they're interested, yeah, they can sign go, up, and then they'll they'll get it in their inbox when it's when it's live. Yeah, if if you go to mulansalt.com, like right now, it points to the right the right place for the, the mm. VIP. Um, and yeah, it's it's easy. Perfect. And perfect. I think perfect. I think that the way that it's set up right now is like you. You basically put in your your information, so you you run like a, a one dollar charge, and that way you're signed up. So the day it goes on, you just you click and you're able to like check out and be done, um, without having to do it the day of. Um, Fantastic, that's brilliant. But yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. you know what? Like I said, I don't think there's anything else out there on this level. Um, and yeah, it was just like the. The, the kind of similar experience that I had, but not as extreme. I mean, this has been the most uh, extreme um, upgrade that I've ever had to any of my kitchen tools. Um, like yeah. it completely superseded the experience that I had over my saboteur knife to my tog knife, my Japanese uh, tog knife, uh, mm-hmm. which I, uh, I think I use a, yeah, I use a, a Santoku and a Gyoto as well. Uh, Santoku, those are the two. Yeah. Gyoto, yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are the two, uh, and I I have a petty as well, which uh, uh, is uh, fairly fairly new to me. But um, mm. uh, but yeah, it's 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 uh, one hell of an experience. It just completely changes the way that you look at seasoning your food. Uh, seasoning your yeah. food becomes like a it becomes an event. It becomes something that you look yeah. forward to, uh, just like your friend that, who's like seasoning yeah. everything. Yeah, the thing the thing that to me that I'm, I mean because I think that you know like salt and pepper are there's a reason you know they're they're they are what they are is it's it's so fundamental to the human palate i mean especially especially salt right like the hitting that at just the the right level like for whatever you're doing is so crucial to 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 nailing a dish um and and pepper to a very similar similar scent but the thing about like pepper and other um like aromatics is just it's so broad that you know like having like one one thing which is like a peppermint which should be like a very good thing it's just like then you get into this conversation of like all the different types of pepper yeah all the different varietals and all the other like herbs and aromatics and stuff that you're doing to season and you know like why is the pepper the only one coming out of like this i'm 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 always thinking like jesus like what am i gonna but it's just it's too broad there's there's so much there's so much like you're right yeah and you're totally totally right yeah like is it going to be like a mulan for everything i mean (laughs) i've I've been thinking about you know there there are obvious sort of next steps to this thought process which we'll probably talk about um again in in six months or so once i've 
I've been able to complete the thought process in terms of a product, um, yep. in terms of a thing. Um, I have things that I'm, I'm working on, you know, like in, in that space, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's just interesting because it's so infinitely complex and deep and rich and, you know, and, it, and it, it's different by culture. And so depending where you are geographically and what's available and, and what type of food you're making and also what suits your palate, like, yeah, but it, it all goes towards the same, the same conversation of, of depth of culture and training. It's like, there's nothing more, more human than sitting around a table and enjoying food and yeah. be, being able to pull out like flavors and, and the joy of creating that for both like your loved ones and family and friends as, as well as just for yourself. You know, like, like, I mean, for, for me, it was kind of like, uh, because yeah, you can like, that's an entirely new realm that you're going to be discovering is the different varietals and not only like, you know, I'm not talking about like uh, oregano or chili flakes or, you know, or paprika, whatever it might be. I'm I'm talking about just no. pepper, and but then you kind yeah, of get you can go even limited. crazier. Yeah, because but you go even crazier because now that you've got a precision tool, which is what the Mulan is, right? It's a it's a precision tool. Um, now that you've got that, just adjusting the grind size is enough to bring out completely different flavor profiles in the same pepper. Um, yeah. So, like the thing that was making me so excited was when I was making the sauce it was a finer grind to just increase the extraction yeah. and, um, you know, really get the flavors yeah. out there. When I was seasoning, I would make it a bit coarser. So I'd get those textural compounds yeah. of the, of the crunch of the pepper as well. It's just yeah. crazy. It opens up so much. And yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things where it encourages creativity, right? It encourages yeah. you to be a bit more experiment, uh, to, to experiment a bit more in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, and I was talking to a, a friend of mine who runs um, a restaurant here in Japan called the uh, Wagyu Mafia. Um, okay, it, you may have seen it. I have. I've heard. I've, well I've heard of the restaurant. Yeah, it's pretty well. I mean, he's a uh, so the guy Hamada-san is um, he runs I think it's four or five restaurants in in Tokyo. I think he got pretty famous when he he came out with a uh, it was like a two hundred or three hundred dollar. Um, uh, beef katsu sandwich. So, My God. like, and, but just like out of this world, and it, it became kind of like the thing to to get. You know, it's like, like how could this possibly? Work? But people like they love it, and yeah, um, yeah. and it's like an and thing, I mean, he's like, it's an experience. It's a and it, it's clearly there's a lot that goes into it. And he's you know mm. he's several times I think he's he's purchased the single most expensive cow like the entire thing in Japan when they go on the market like very similar to the, the Tsukiji fish markets you know that they have a yeah yeah like with the tuna and stuff markets. like that and yeah. The, yeah 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 they have the same version for uh um for beef and you know he's done those and like created things and he's recently started like another like ramen shop which is all beef based so he's like doing a beef based bar wow. which is a um a unique thing I, I haven't had it yet because because of Corona and it's happened during that time frame. Um, but other, I mean, he's just like, he's a very, well, he, he has a, a restaurant of the same name in Hong Kong. Um, and they're always, you know, like doing stuff back and forth. He's really good friends with uh, like the Beckham. So every time they're in, okay. in town, he'd like he'll, he'll fly hey, to wherever to, yeah, to be their think, chef while they're on vacation. Yeah. I think I, I think I've seen him actually on the, on a David Beckham video. David Beckham had a video of him attending a, um, 
uh, a Dior fashion show in Japan. Uh, and I think Probably, that's where yeah, he yeah. ate that evening. Yeah, it's like a fairly small okay. restaurant, right? And it seats only a few at the sushi bar. And yeah, I, th- I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, most likely. I know that they're uh, they're close whenever whenever he's in town. Um, and it, it's funny. I actually just this morning he was uh, he was sending me pictures of because uh, I've been asking him. I was like, hey, why okay. would you like send me pictures? Easy, easy. And so he did. So he sent me all of these this morning. Well, where am I? This is oh wow. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Wow. And uh, you can't see it probably from this, but there's like there's just a shower of like salt. Yeah, there's just him. like it's like he's he's yeah. he's been very naughty the night before and he's been hitting the cocaine hard. This is kind of what it looks like, but it's uh <laughs> amazing. So amazing. Yeah. No, it's um, it's gonna be so exciting to kind of see the the fallout on how people, as a result of a salt and pepper meal, how they start taking their food more seriously um, mm. and how they take, how they understand the complexities of being able to season your food as opposed to it just being a flavor enhancer. You know, how you yeah. can actually extract different textural compounds, how you can make something as simple as salt and pepper a kind of a culinary experience, you know? Yeah. Um, and hopefully also, you know, like a, a conversation piece, you know, it's like it, Again, raising the awareness around the ingredients, I think, is is always a good thing to do. And I think everything about you know our, our modern connected age and and availability of information and traceability of of ingredients, um, we can finally start using those things for the better. I think it's been yeah. working up to it for so long, where there's just like this sort of wealth of information, but no real focus and and direction for it but things are starting to to culminate and starting to push things in better directions at least where where those efforts are being made it's of course um, of course it's by no means yeah i have to say kind of and and a point to kind of like finish on the one the one thing that i really i really love about what you're doing is all of your products encourage hospitality uh, and I think that's something that I really love is like the first thing that I did when I got the pe- pepper and uh, salt meal is I looked at my fiance and said, I'm going to cook you something. What do you want? You know, it just, it, it makes me want to like when I, if, you know, it's, it's like anything. I remember when I first got the blind shaker, I was just anyone I could get a hold of. I'm like, I'm making you a cup of coffee, you know, come over. I've got coffee. I'm making it for you. And it's, it just encourages hospitality. It makes you want to do things for other people. I think it's fantastic. You know, and I think that's, that's a great thing. If you're, if you, if you want to, if you want to kind of encourage anything, especially during a time, like we've been having with with the pandemic, you know, surely that's what we need. Yep. I think it's, uh, I I feel like the the time is right. And I, I'm happy with what, like, what we've been able to make with this as a product. And the, the good thing is that like, it goes back to the whole um, organic growth versus we see funding model is that we've actually been making this for like over four years now. So yeah. we've been able to debug all, all this stuff because the pepper mill is sort of there just like as this unknown, like niche thing that a coffee grinder company was making. And, but it was a, a side, side passion project that was able to, to go through all that and do all the debugging. And now that yeah. I just feel so much better about about deploying it and going going big and getting it out to as many people as possible. 
that it's there, there's just going to be far fewer hiccups with everything. Agreed. 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 It's the best way to go. It's the best way to go about it. And I think you've done the the best job at it, to be honest. Uh, and it's truly my pleasure to be able to have a conversation like this with you. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for kind of jumping on the call. It was, uh, you know, yeah. as always, tons of fun. As always, uh, thank you for, for having me and look forward to seeing what, what you put together. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs>